0: The Athletic
1: I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know Oh, I fell
2: Who was went oh, without a shadow of an doubt, giving him lip? Oh, I say, it's amazing. He
1: does it tame, and tame, and tame again. Crank up the music. Martin
3: Tyler's military moment. Can an own goal be a deft touch? Jared Bowen's humble self-congratulation. Can a cricketer be a matty? How long should it take for victory to sink in for the winning goalscorer? Pierre-Emil Hoiberg versus Korean Egg Soufflé. Edward VIII's abdication speech. Touchy Thibaut Courtois takes on all comers. And the background football match identifying TikTok master strikes again. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 167 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all for the adjudication panel is David Walker. How's it going?
2: Very good. How are you? Anything to report? I'm afraid very little to report. I've I've had, like you, I've had a, a week off. Um, I've been at more weddings, more stag do's. But here we are. We're back. We go again.
3: Yeah, we do. Yeah, entering silly season, I think. As today's content may well reveal, alongside you for the adjudication panel is Nick Miller. How are you doing, Nick? I'm very well. Brilliant, I assume. Still.
0: Still, this uh, this feeling isn't going away, Adam.
3: On the on that point of Nottingham Forest's re-ascent to the top flight, I'm not going to congratulate you on it because it's not your achievement. It's it's worse than congratulating someone on becoming an aunt or an uncle. Not your doing. <laughs>
0: No, that, that that is true, although, uh, and, you know, frankly, even if it was my doing, then I, I think there's probably been enough enough attention put on Forrest uh, in the last, you know, week or so.
2: What if the aunt or uncle was at the birth, encouraging, you know... Or maybe they, they did the IVF. Maybe,
3: but they I, I think su-
2: supporting the effort, if they're at the birth, supporting the mother, I think it would be akin to a fan at a football match helping their team get over the line. Hmm...
0: Yeah I'm not I'm not not entirely sure about that I mean that, unless unless there be unless a the, sister there at the birth yeah <laughs> uh, unless the aunt or uncle are actually you know the doctors delivering the the child yeah. and it's really the in which case it's just your job exactly so yeah yeah <laughs> i really think that the, the parents have done most of the legwork on this one
3: yeah agreed i'm glad i'm glad we're all reasonably aligned on this one um it's a pattern of behavior i've spotted recently and i'm not particularly happy about it um let's kick off the adjudication panel with some very very recent developments wales of course doing a forest in many ways um, returning to the top table of their respective footballing spheres. But um, the match, for me, was rather overshadowed by this moment.
1: So Christian will soldier on. I use that word inappropriately, I apologise. From Michalenka.
3: Sad state of affairs, isn't it, Dave, that um, that we've reached the point where Martin Tyler has to apologise for using the word soldiered during a game involving Ukraine?
2: And he did it straight away, to be fair, so he realised immediately he got ahead of it, you know, rather than wait for there to be complaints to Sky or whoever he was working for. But mm. um, it's just a it's just second nature, right? It's just part of the... <laughs> Part of his his language that he uses, yeah,
3: absolutely right. I mean, before we get into the various layers of this, Nick, let's let's not beat around the bush. Soldiering on is the only option in the footballing language for a player who looked like he might be going off, but he has indeed um, decided to continue playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, there really was it really was out of Tyler's hands by that point, wasn't it? I mean, well, two things. It would have been nice if he included in his apology, I uh, "Do apologise if that was an inappropriate word," but I really did have nowhere else to go. That was the only, <laughs> the only words I could use. But also, by the it, as, as Dave says, he did get in straight away with the apology. What would have been quite nice is if he'd waited for a minute, 30 seconds and done a version of these. Uh, sorry if you heard any inappropriate language from my commentary about a, a minute ago. <laughs> inappropriate yeah. military language. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
3: I thought that a couple of football cliches listeners were the only people that had spotted this. But lo and behold, in the hours before this podcast was recorded, the Daily Mail did a big story on this. And as usual, Dave, the story, 90% of it is simply rewriting the tweets that they've already screenshotted in the piece to the point where it actually gets rather awkward. Uh, so many layers to this, but all I want to say about it is that it's had a 1,000 comments underneath.
2: <laughs> of course it has. But uh, the headline of the piece says, Martin Tyler forced to apologise.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> did force himself. He forced himself yeah. to apologise.
2: Yeah, this idea,
3: Nick, that uh, as soon as he said it, co-commentator Dave Edwards gave him a poke in the rib straight away. To, oh, don't do that. Can't say that.
2: Uh, or maybe yeah. the, the, the director or someone in his ear just, Martin, no. <laughs>
0: we talked about this.
3: But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, reputation intact for Martin Tyler. Don't have to apologise for that. Don't worry. Meanwhile... On some other broadcasters from the British Isles, listener Frederazzi writes in, uh, Dave, and said that Jerry Armstrong called Yarmolenko's own goal header a deft touch. (laughs) Can't be right, he says. Uh, No, no, uh, I think I agree with this one.
2: No, absolutely. Yeah, you can't. I've never heard this before. Yeah, Yeah, it implies an element of, of finesse of precision aplomb yeah. yeah exactly no yeah it can't it can't be but on the own goal Nick a very
3: unfortunate moment on many levels but um there was something of the striker wearing the captain's armband about it I feel like if it had been a defender there's no way that that would have happened um there was something about needing to be involved in the cause yeah that resulted in that own goal yeah
0: I'm I have arrived here to help out no go away <laughs> go away. <laughs>
3: Yeah, there's something instinct about it. I have to get a real solid head on this, but no, no, it's gone in. Uh, I just feel like I, I would never have seen a header like that in, in the past. But yeah, it wasn't a deft touch. We can't have that. Important question from listener Nick Goff, though, Dave. He says, where do you draw the line with the phrase making history? If Wales have qualified before, is this still making history because it was so long ago? If it is, how recently would they have had to qualify for this not to be making history? These are important questions, he says. They certainly are. I feel like it is making history, but that that... that as he says, requires us to set some sort of threshold for this.
2: How many years of her is the minimum? But is it making history, though? Do you need to say making history? Can't you say, you know, it's a, it's a great achievement? Obviously, they've, they've not qualified since what nineteen fifty eight. Nineteen fifty eight. But is that is it historical? I think I, it is. In, in what? In what? But why? What's the
3: allowing for the admittedly quite loose definition of making history in the modern context? Things really don't have to shatter the earth anymore for history to be made.
0: I do think, Nick, it's it's long enough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what is so? So, what is what would Dave? What would be your definition of making history? That's like something happening for the th- very first time. I think brutal. Yeah, it was. I think almost. But I mean, would you say like Brentford, for example, got promoted to the Premier League for the first time in God, Christ knows how long last year? you wouldn't you wouldn't say they had made history, or does that? Does the, the, the introduction of the Premier League mean they have made history by getting into the Premier League for the first time? In their own
2: way, but, but they're so small, that it doesn't quite feel right to say that Brentford have made history. I mean, it's, it's a massive part of Brentford's history. But I suppose when you're talking about a whole country, it does take on a whole other significance. But I, I, no, I just, it doesn't feel right to me. I feel like it needs to be a qualifier there. They've made history... For XYZ. The second Z. time. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> they've made history since 1958.
2: But, and also because they've qualified for the last few couple of Euros, they've had that run to the semi finals in, in 2016. It feels, it doesn't feel, I mean, for the Welsh people, getting to the World Cup is amazing, I'm sure. But to me, as an onlooker, it doesn't feel remarkable it feels like, oh, I qualified for a tournament again. Oh, okay, All right. So this is more of a perspective thing, perhaps.
3: I do feel like we're being a little bit harsh. I mean, the last time Wales qualified for the World Cup, NASA didn't exist. Instant noodles hadn't been invented, Dave. Instant noodles.
0: (laughs) Former panellist on the Football Clichés pod, uh, Ellis James, is now going to have to retire a bit of his stand-up, where he said uh, Wales haven't qualified for the World Cup since the invention of the duvet. So...
3: (laughs) I didn't see that on the Wikipedia page yeah. for the year 1958, so yeah, I'm glad I didn't steal his material, at least. Um, but yeah, uh, the Welsh will be after you, Dave. Um, I think we're safe, Nick. Let's move over to the England national team. Bit of a slam dunk for us, this one. Many people got, us, got in touch about this. This was Jared Bowen, very much uh, giving himself some credit ahead of his England debut against Hungary.
2: You know, sometimes I sit back and look back at where I've where I've come from, um, and especially, you know, being in an England camp now, you know, I've got a... But, you know, sounding big-headed, take my my hat off to myself for, you know, where I've come from to where I am now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's great. There's a real innocence to it. There's a real innocence to it. I'm almost inclined to allow it, but you, you can't take your hat off to yourself. And what do you do? Do you...
2: You can't doff it at yourself. No. Can you? Can't take a hat off to yourself, can give yourself a pat on the back.
0: Yeah, you could. Well, there are, there are obviously uh, two elements to this. One is whether it works linguistically, which it sort of doesn't. But I am all for the Yeah, yeah, I, I, I there's there's too much humility here. Like yeah. like a few years ago and when Alison Janney won an Oscar, she st- she opened her speech by saying I did it all by myself, which she was she, she was joking about, but I I am all for you know, that kind yeah. of thing to be meant absolutely seriously.
3: I enjoyed the uh, linguistic wrestling that needed to take place for that phrase to come out. But I mean, um could he have said all credit to me? That's that would that would seem less humble.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I, I like the way that he, he sort of realised that mm, probably shouldn't say this but uh, tried <laughs> to qualify. Well no, I was gonna go with it anyway. No, uh, I think it's fine. I think yeah. it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I did taking like a hat it. Off
0: to myself. Yeah, taking a hat off is, it's left himself a little bit of wiggle room because if he had have said all credit to me then he would have been completely eliminating the role of anyone else who may have helped him in That's his career. That's true. Yeah, so, too
3: absolutist,
0: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But by, yeah. by saying he's taking his hat off to himself, he's giving himself most of the credit and it, to be fair, he does deserve most of the credit himself. But not all of the credit. I have to
3: say, um, the latest um, instalment of the Nations League, Nick. By now, I think we're all familiar with the with the format and the the concept of promotion relegation. Now has the you know the novelty value of that has. Has worn off, and we're into the mechanics of it. But uh, Robert Dunford has thrown a spanner into the works here. He said that I've just heard Hungary had back-to-back promotions, <laughs> <laughs> which which just reset me. Now I I can't handle this. And the idea <laughs> up the Nations League we go. <laughs> Everything here is geared towards tier 1A, group 3, whatever it is, football. But a real breath of fresh air, aren't they, Hungary, in the top flight, aren't they,
0: David? (laughs) Yeah.
3: Mm, Good to have them. Yeah, well done. Um, Let's talk cricket, can we? Nick, this may be your thing. Um, Archie got in touch and said Nasser Hussein was wearing pundit shoes. Uh Uh-oh. And then said Stuart Broad was doing Stuart Broad things. Cricket has fallen, says Archie. Worrying scenes. Can we use viral football clip terminology for cricket?
0: Next it's going to be, you know, Jimmy Anderson, the bowl of the streets won't forget. Is this, is this what we've got coming next?
3: <laughs> Stop it, Brian Lara. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has, presumably, He, he has, has stopped, stopped it, it. <laughs> yeah, he is. He yeah. stopped it James. some
0: years ago, actually, yeah. Uh, Joe Root, that bowler has children, that kind of thing. Does it work? I don't know. It's it is quite undignified, but the pundit shoes thing is is that's that's been a, a long. In, in fact, I think um, in, the man in charge of English cricket, Rob Key, who used to was a, a commentator for a long time, is a, a really big pundit shoes wearer. So I'm afraid that has infected the the cricket world for for quite some time. Are there cricket um, YouTube
2: highlight compilations? Oh in yeah, the same yeah, way. Yeah, percent yeah, like Ben Stokes, all all sixes, fours, and wickets. Yeah, twenty, twenty slash twenty, twenty one.
0: That they, they will often be from HD. Uh, yeah, <laughs> welcome to Rajasthan Royals. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, lo- loads of that, loads of that. A, okay. a lot, a lot of it is is T twenty based.
3: Nick, tell me about Matt Potts.
0: Mm. Who's Matt Potts? Well, Matty Potts. Uh, is it? it okay, isn't. continue. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about him. Well, he's a, he's a bowler. He uh, has just made his debut for England. He plays I for uh, Durham, is his county. And uh, I think he's, he's quite young. He's 23, 24. And he's just made a storming debut for, for England. Whether the name Matty Potts is a cricketer or not, then I think this is probably where this is going.
3: Yes, it certainly is. Um, geared up as I was to discuss whether... Matty's are acceptable in cricket even in the kind of modern England team context where it feel like that might be just about allowable mm. uh, esteemed cricket journalist Lizzie Ammon has uh, revealed that just for the record she says Mr Potts likes being called Matt or Matthew not Matty and he's going to change his Twitter handle to reflect that so cricket has been denied a Matty and even his Wikipedia page says Matty
0: was his Twitter bio previously Matty then so so he's... it's
3: Matty Potts at Matty Potts. Right, okay. So he's, I mean he's maybe rock was on bat there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. If you're already publicly I mean he must have had some agency over this already. You don't just you don't just become a matty, surely. Surely he must have encouraged the mattiness at some point.
2: Yeah. He can't row back on it now. Maybe maybe he was a matt you know, Matty was like a school nickname he sort of when he was a bit and he... younger and it's just stuck, but now he's an England cricketer, it's After
3: one cap <laughs> Yeah you not allowed. You can't do an Andrew Cole after one cap,
2: can you? No.
0: Yeah, Mat- Matty isn't. Is just is not very cricket. Yeah. You, 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 you. Right. You, occasionally, Matt. More often than not, Matthew. Even even the even Australians call Matthews Matthews. But
2: I think wow. for okay. yeah. for such a short surname, it has to be Matty or Matthew. Matt Potts. It's, it's too it's too short Matt Potts too, too staccato yeah, yeah. Matt conference South Potts. hitman Matt Potts
3: yeah.
0: yeah cricket journalist Dave tickner who um is a, a connoisseur of such things I think said he, he he's not a, a test bowler he's a reserve left back for like you know for West Ham or something like that <laughs> yeah West Ham, at, yeah on loan at Cambridge or <laughs> yeah. the like
2: nephew that. of Steve Potts yeah. yeah yeah absolutely right
3: yeah okay so the jury remains slightly out on whether crickets can have Matties, but but if you know if the Australian door is closed then then as far as I'm concerned that's it that's it. Let's continue our transworld sport trajectory. Um Joel Tucker writes in Dave he says I'm pretty sure darts commentator Dan Dawson is a fan of the podcast based off this from the coverage of the North American Darts Championship. Who knew there was a thing?
1: Has to go to nines. Yes. And again effective not quite at the edge first. of the double King. near the top but he's keeping the line well. Leonard Gates on those side doubles. Ready, ready,
2: ready, ready, Just in three. the corners. Where the owl sleeps. That's how the South Americans call a top
1: corner finishing the football. Oh, where the owl sleeps. There you go. A
2: little bit of culture
3: for you there. One. Hey, ice hockey, darts. Dave, it's going global. It is, it is. A little, little bit of plagiarism for you there, actually. <laughs> Tim Vickery seething over there in Rio. <laughs> I'm, sure he's
2: very, I'm sure he's very happy at the craze that he's now sli- sweeping all sports before it. Um, what where? The, but, but, but what was he referring to? I mean, you know, no corners on a
0: dartboard. I think he's referring to the corner of the... The, the corner of the uh,
2: bit, of the
3: little uh, Yeah, I don't know what you bit. call it. What do you call it? The, yeah.
0: the little bit. The, the double, yeah. the corner of the double.
2: The double, yeah. Right, That's very small owl. Uh, tiny yeah. owl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, all, it's all
3: relative. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm kind of up for it. The nines are, I suppose, in the corner, in a sense. So, uh yeah, happy with that. Dan Dawson, clearly a listener. Hi, Dan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word. Mike Barge... Nick writes in and says, I was at a USL game tonight in America between the Tampa Bay Rowdies and the Louisville FC. Forgetting how annoying US fans are when watching football, I couldn't believe I was the only one who applauded when a player switched play or when a defender headed the ball back to his goalkeeper. Have they not been taught how huge this is for fans during a game? A strange game to be a fan at just shows the disparity in appreciation for the game, I think. How bizarre it would be to be at a football game where... This kind of autopilot behavior, doesn't it? I mean, we talk about this on this podcast all the time, but this is a new twist for me. I didn't realise they didn't do it in other countries.
0: Well, I mean, with America, soccer was first introduced there in 1994. Um, that was the first they heard of it, which was obviously after the introduction of the backpass law. So,
3: very logical point. Yeah,
0: e- even though a lot of the people who applaud the header back to the the goalkeeper, you know, will have been born uh, after that. There's still the kind of you know the legacy of it.
3: Yeah, that's in their DNA. Exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, definitely.
3: This is a very good point, Dave. Um, US soccer fans, in a mainstream sense, no, have never had the privilege of seeing safe back passes to the goalkeeper. So maybe this is where it stems from. No,
2: unless there's still a few old boys knocking about from the uh, the heady days of George n a s l and Bobby Moore and Rodney Marsh. But um, mm. I'm surprised a little bit because... There does, from from what I've sort of observed over the years, looking at various sort of MLS games and new teams and stuff, there seems to be a real desire for from the fans to sort of ape uh, yeah. the, the British culture around football. You know, in terms of how they act as fans and the whole the whole sort of thing. So I thought mm. they would have kind of taught themselves this; that they would know this. Which they is get the subtleties
3: in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got the big things right, like calling the referee a wanker, but they haven't. I start applauding the little subtleties things to work on for the US back to England now and the National League playoff final Nick many people got in touch after the score of the winning goal Jordan Maguire drew for Grimsby was interviewed straight after the final whistle and was asked how he felt and he says it still hasn't sunk in yet <laughs> We're talking about 90 <laughs> seconds after the final whistle. So, what's
0: the what's the threshold for? Um, I think the, say, following day, the following day. Yeah, following day. I, following I, day I, I agree.
3: In.
2: You need to have a have had a night's sleep, and or not. Then, well, yeah, exactly, or, or or maybe not, or just a few hours. But um, for for the next day, you would have thought you would have sunk in by then.
0: Straightforward as that. Yeah. Okay. Um. I I yeah. I'm tempted to uh, even uh, uh straight after straight after the final whistle? Because that's the first thing the interviewers say. They say, well, actually, the interviewer, whoever was, I don't know if you got this later on, but whoever the, the post-match interviewer f- after the Wales game was, all, the, the the first question to about six or seven different players and the manager is, in a row was... World Cup. How does that sound? I, I think it's kind of—is it not valid to say at that point? You know, it hasn't sunk in yet, or are we being absolutist about this?
3: I feel you. you need to give it time to sink in. Let 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 that sink in, as the internet says. And uh, <laughs> one or two minutes isn't
2: enough. Maybe if it was a lunchtime kickoff, you could ask them later in the day. <laughs> What you could say in the in the player's shoes, so well, you know, I think it's going to take a little while to sink in. To be yeah. honest, yeah, okay, yeah. Speculate enough. on yeah. how long it's going to take yeah. to sink
3: in. Don't you know, you don't have to declare that it hasn't sunk in quite right. That's that's national league behaviour for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't know about how it, how it what it takes to speak to the big time Grimsby. A lot of learning to do there too. Um, of course. We are in the early rumblings, Dave, of transfer silly season. Um, Lots of speculation out there. Mark Ridley wants to know, is Club A keeping tabs on player B the lowest grade of football transfer speculation? Is that the flimsiest language we can use, keeping tabs on?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything worse than that and nothing's really springing to mind.
3: I I think there might be Uh, because keeping tabs on kind of suggests that there's a hint of yeah, inside knowledge that they have actually been monitoring this. You're on a database progress. somewhere. Yeah. What about Club X being placed on red alerts? So that's just saying, oh well, this player could be good for them. So I mean, red alert is essentially a meaningless thing. Yeah. There is there is no such thing as red alerts. Whereas keeping tabs could be a thing. Nick, I think I think red alert might be the lowest. I mean, as sensational as it sounds.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, but it, I don't know. It, I suppose it implies that they have an interest. Because red alert, to me, sounds like the sort of thing that someone would say immediately before making a bid. They're on yeah. red alert. But okay. but you're right, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of suggest that those people have actually had some interest in the play. It doesn't suggest they have been keeping tabs.
3: I mean, let's put it into context. A, a classic red alert situation was Sadio Mane implying heavily that his Liverpool days were over and he wanted to seek a new challenge. That was placing clubs on red alert, definitely. That's that was a classic case of red alert. Mm. Um, but
2: also, but, yeah, because you couldn't have a keeping tabs on Sadio Mane, could you?
3: <laughs> We've been <laughs> monitoring his progress. Very promising player, <laughs> yeah. Senegalese. You
0: could, uh, you could, uh, I suppose you could could you keep it keep tabs on his uh, on his, like, his contractual situation or something like that? Or that would or be is that... monitoring his situation. Monitoring, right? Yeah, no, fair. Yeah. yeah. So do, do, yeah. do we need to? Are, are we going in from? So it's keeping tabs.
3: Yeah, keeping tabs. I would actually put above. Monitoring situation because I mean that I mean that can mean anything. You don't even yeah. need inside knowledge. You just have to aware that he exists as a human being yeah. is, is simply monitoring a situation. And then below that, I still think red alert. Just uh, uh, you know, as bombastic as the as the phraseology is, I still think it's the flimsiest. Um, there may be more. <clears throat> Our listeners may need to help us on this one.
0: L- looking at where's that? Where does that? Where does that come? And sort of scouting the scouts. Mm. Scouting is a little bit more active than keeping tabs, uh, isn't it?
2: Yeah, has been linked with.
0: Oh yeah, actually, no, no, that's right. That's the that's the most spurious. Sure. Oh yeah,
3: that's extra distance, isn't yeah, it? That yeah. Is, yeah, That's another degree of separation. We're not saying it. Yeah, we're not saying it. Somebody <laughs> yeah. else is saying it. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, no smoke without fire. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Linked with. But if anyone else has got an advance on that, let us know. Matt Ginsberg writes in Dave, and says, "How many goals does a player have to score to be perceived as a super sub?" And is the phrase only reserved for centre-forwards in their late 20s? This is a very good little um, few layers to this. I mean, the concept is very clear-cut. It's a player who becomes known for scoring goals off the bench. Fairly simple. But is there more context required here?
2: Yeah, I can't think of any midfielders who are super subs. Certainly not. Obviously, certainly not defenders. Um, You
3: certainly couldn't be a young super sub, could you? Because, I mean...
2: it's already implied that you're going to be eased into the situation. Part of the super sub is that you're being sort of kept specially for that role when the player may otherwise have expectations of starting. Exactly, because then then it leads on, Nick. Once they've
3: started to earn their reputation as a super sub, they then get asked about whether they resent the label super sub. And that can only be asked of someone in their late 20s, early 30s, where... You know, seeking regular first-team football becomes a thing. Yeah, definitely. I think
0: in terms of the like the threshold for it has it has to be like a he scored a lot of goals after coming on as a sub, a sub or how many? How many? I think maybe two or or, or maybe in one game. I mean, uh, or <laughs> right? Yeah, or a very short time after coming on. Does that?
3: Oh yeah, instant impact. Instant impact. Instant impact helps. Also, needs, doing it in a pivotal game presumably would burgeon yeah. this reputation even more.
0: I think if it, I think it can be also as, as as low as if he scores after coming on as a sub like twice in three games or something like that.
2: Yeah. Or yeah, yeah like a rigi. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. is kind of the, the closest thing I can think of at the moment to a super sub, but, he, but not a prolific super sub, a tactical super sub reserved for very special occasions. Yeah, is, and he's doing it in notable games. Barcelona, yeah, Everton. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Whereas looking at Solskjaer's record, I've just quickly Googled that, and 150 appearances of his 366 for Manchester United were made as a substitute, and he scored 126 goals. I don't know how many of those were as a sub, but, he, but he, when did he start getting the tag as a super sub? Because when he joined, he would have just been this kind of new sort of pre ninety
3: nine. Would it have been pre ninety nine? Maybe I
2: think
0: it would that's be. fair to say. I mean, but to sort of solidified in ninety nine because the obviously the Champions League final, obviously four goals he scored against Forest, but also there was a there's an FA Cup game where he, I think he came on and scored. Mm. Yeah, yeah, FA Cup game against Liverpool. I think that was in that right. season where he he. He scored, and I think he maybe set up one, as that, and they came back from behind.
3: Mm. Um, he was not particularly old at the time, though, so maybe he doesn't tick all the boxes there. But no. otherwise, I think he pretty much, yeah, he, he did well and truly earn it. But just this has just reminded me of another bugbear of mine, which is when goal scorers' records are expressed as 130 goals in 220 starts, as if sub appearances don't count. As if they, you don't want to, you don't want to pad out the numbers. You just call it starts. Why, why aren't you including the sub appearances? It's not like you've gone through and worked out which goal was scored when.
2: But, Don't like it. Well, I but I think this is sometimes used by former strikers to make their goal scoring record look better. Because, oh, I've scored X amount of goals, but I only started this many. It was this, it was in this many starts. Like uh, Michael Owen in Real Madrid. Like yeah. If you look at his starts to goals, it's quite good, I think. It's but if you grace. look at the overall appearances to goals, it's not as good. I remember Alan Brazil used to do this all the time. Right. On, on Talksport. He would go, he had brilliant, brilliant time of it at Ipswich, less good time of it at Manchester United and Spurs, but he'd always go, oh, well, if you look at the starts, it's still one in three. If you're not willing to comb through the
3: data and tell me which goals were scored when, I don't want to hear the word starts in the, in the equation, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, interesting question posed by Matt Ginsburg there. Thank you. This one, this one's great. This is from Eddie Rose, who has pointed me towards a very heartwarming, wholesome piece of in house club video content. This is, um, a small gaggle of Spurs players joining Son Heung-min to try some staples of Korean barbecue. And uh, Eric Dye gets involved, has great time. Hugo Lloris enjoys a bit of steak, bloody bloody blah And uh, Pierre-Emil Heuberg gets stuck into some gyeran jim, which is uh, Korean steamed eggs. It's a bit like a souffle, basically. And uh, when asked for his opinion on some gyeran jim, he answers in the most footballer way possible.
2: <laughs> But this is very nice as well. Yeah, Get right? on, Jim, you like that? No, wow. like no disrespect to egg. Yeah. But I'm surprised how <laughs> yeah. flavory it is. Yeah, it's well seasoned, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no disrespect to egg! <laughs> no disrespect to egg! <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, it's, it's, I mean, and, and this is a uh, maybe I'm picking on someone who's talking their second language here, but also it's egg, not eggs. No, don't not. It's not no disrespect to egg. It's the egg. concept of egg. Egg. <laughs> yeah, either the concept of egg or that specific egg. Does he not also gesture towards what was presumably an egg on the table? It's like yeah. like he was directly addressing that particular egg. No disrespect, <laughs> mate, but this is delicious.
3: I think when you call it egg and not eggs, that's when you start to think of it in the, in the context of, of cooked egg yeah. as, as a mass. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Rather yeah. than an object. Um, which I, thought, I, thought I actually think makes it better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no disrespect to the concept of cooked, congealed <laughs> egg. <but laughs> All credit to egg. Yeah. <laughs> All credit to it. Take the egg. Should take the hat off to itself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I love it. I've listened to it so many times and it just gets better every single time. And the only person that cracks up in this video is the Korean food expert they've got. who just absolutely bends over double (laughs) at at Pierre-Emer showing no disrespect to Egg. I love it. I love it. I love football and I love the way they talk. It's fantastic.
1: Ah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic this is football cliches
3: Nick Johnny sides writes in and says please could the panel decide on what feeling each other out involves is it a tactical thing or is it a more personality based so making judgments on each other's team's motivation attitude etc in the opening minutes many thanks um this was in the context of Wales Ukraine in the early moments um sort of sizing each other up that's what feeling each other out means isn't it I mean yeah. but in a pure footballing action passenger play sense what does it mean? You can't have any shots on goal. Is that is that fair?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's, it is basically a, a euphemism for a dull passage of play at the start yeah. of the game, isn't it? But I think so. Like like the you know the fascinating tactical battle or whatever. Exactly, it's the precursor to it being an absorbing encounter. Yeah. yeah.
3: Nervous start for both teams. Tentative. I think you could have one shot over the bar,
2: Dave, like wildly over the bar from thirty-five yards.
3: Yeah.
0: So it ha- has also, yeah, has to be out from outside the box. It can't be. Yeah. Can't... Nothing, oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Agreed. nothing Agreed. overtly threatening. I yeah. don't think
3: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess the the clincher here is that you can't if if the guy watching on Sky Sports news is asked about who's had the brighter start, he hasn't got an answer because no one's made the brighter start.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's, um
3: it's nicely poised. Well, it can't be nicely poised in the first five minutes, but it is. That's where feeling each other out comes in. Thanks, Johnny Sides. Um, Samuel Danker writes in, Dave, and says, I was at the Finalissima at Wembley, and it struck yeah. me as a kind of Rolls-Royce version of Nigeria <laughs> versus Columbia at Craven Cottage, <laughs> with added fanfare. It also got me thinking, says Samuel Danker, what is the most Mexican wavy football match
2: possible? Does it include Mexico? <laughs> do the Mexicans do Mexicans Mexican wave? Like they might have disowned it now. Yeah. I don't um, know, but it
3: would have to be an international match, wouldn't it, Dave?
2: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, definitely, and a non-competitive one, a friendly, at a, or at a
3: fairly big stadium, because you've got to get the wave going.
0: Yeah, it does. It happens a lot at England friendlies. That's so. That's, uh, that's
3: pre-tournament cool. ones, maybe, because I, I feel like they wouldn't do a Mexican wave in the kind of you know sort of mid-season meaningless international friendlies. It would have to be some sort of send-off environment mm. where yeah. the result definitely doesn't matter and but it's more of a party party of atmosphere
2: definitely and and they are with the introduction introduction of the aforementioned nations league friendlies are fewer and further between these days and i yeah I, I try to think i went to peru england against peru at wembley ahead of the 2014 world cup obviously in preparation for us playing Uruguay. costa rica but yeah, all, all kinds of,
0: I suppose. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, and I don't. I'm trying to think. There was a Mexican wave there. There, there wasn't a Mexican wave. There was a lot of paper airplane throwing.
3: Ah, yes. Which oh, is, the, the famous video of the paper airplane traveling all the way down from the upper tier and hitting a Peru player on the head. Yes, mm. which yeah, is
2: kind that's... of in the same ballpark. Sort of mildly distracting, comical, yeah. group activity. I I could also see like at the Emirates Cup. Did that? Does that? Oh. They happen? Does it happen there?
3: Oh, yeah. I, I still can't see it in a club context. But if there was going to be one, Emirates Cup could be Mexican wavy, Nick. Because you could have a few kids there who maybe aren't as interested.
0: A few kids there. And I'm, I'm 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 about to launch into terrible stereotype of Arsenal fans. But you can imagine there'll be quite a few people there who aren't necessarily keen football fans. So they'll have gone, yeah. they'll have taken their, taken their kids or whatever. And they'll have thought, what do people do at football games? What have yeah. I read about somewhere? <laughs> Mexican and wave. There you go.
3: And bear in mind, they're probably having to sit through. I don't know. Eintracht Frankfurt versus Leon. Yeah. First. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's yeah, probably exactly. when it's going to take place. It, yeah. Is
2: is the real answer to this question actually centre court? or there's a rain delay. Yeah, I do feel like the English real. have to be involved, don't they? And yeah. that's where you'll tittering. find that's yeah. where you'll find them. The real Mexican waivers—that's where they are. SW nineteen.
3: Although, although we are very much a split nation on this, because whilst whilst the kind of middle class picture you paint there, Dave, is 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 the real perfect storm for a Mexican wave, there is an Incredible video, and I can't remember when it was or what game it was from, but it was an England game away, and I think it was a friendly. And uh, the Mexican wave was going around the stadium, you know, amongst all the very happy home fans, and then it reached the England section, and they just all just went ah, two fingers almost went "Ah, back off, like the most like you know sort of low key aggressive way, and and in its own way is a very beautiful thing to watch. But yeah, yeah, it just yeah just goes to show there are environments where it just doesn't work.
0: What what was what was the game where? Theresa May famously tried to get involved in the Mexican Wave, but completely mistimed it. Ah! It went round, and I think I don't know whether she was early or or late, but she just she she went up on her own, and then sat back down, and then everyone else around her got up and did it. Let's
3: see what Google has to say. Theresa May Mexican Wave was France versus England
0: in 2017.
3: 2017. Mm. That was a friendly. Yeah, there you go. One wag: so the Mexican Wave was timed worse than the election. Oh. Good Satire. One. Good one.
0: good one. Just um, on a small tangent, p- picking up on what Dave mentioned about that Peru game there. With England playing Wales at the World Cup, who, who are they going to organise the, the acclimatising friendly against this time? <laughs> Ireland? Uh, Probably.
3: Yes, indeed. As, um, as Wales fan Stephen Gabb tweeted... After Wales have qualified for the World Cup, presumably they now have to organise friendlies against Canada, Iraq, and Northern Ireland.
2: Yeah, actually, great, great question you to, to reverse it. Who's who is the English equivalent for Wales? Should we just play each other <laughs> in a friendly? <laughs> it's just Northern <laughs>
3: Ireland. That's, this, this, this is where they this is where they serve their function as non-qualifiers. They have.
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, Canada 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 might be slightly disqualified from this because it doesn't feel like it should be a team who's actually at the World Cup.
3: Oh, I do not know? I don't know about that. I I think it's okay. I think it's okay.
0: In my head, it's a kind of geographically adjacent country who isn't at the World Cup.
3: You are right, and in in its purest sense, that does work because geography rules everything. But um, but in many cases, these teams need some competitive, well, competitive ish football before the tournament starts. They they come in quite handy. Um, But it does lead to kind of pulling out of tackles situation, I guess. So uh, yeah, maybe. Who who can we have for the US then?
2: You can't have Mexico.
3: Don't start that. They won't like
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Um New Zealand? <laughs> Australia. Show you're working. <laughs> Speak English. Uh, so, some of them were. Well, hats. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they're sort of next <laughs> the next sort of western biggest western sort of nations. They have, you know, huge bits yeah, of way,
3: their countries where in no in one the, lives They're not, really not in the west, but
0: yep. te- technically speaking Russia is right next door. Mm. Alaska, then Russia, but I think they they're unavailable, so. Yeah. Shame.
3: Yeah. Shame. Right. Jubilee chat. Plenty of good and bad footballing parallels drawn with the Jubilee over this very, very long weekend. But this was my favourite, I think. Barbarian tweeted an excerpt from the abdication speech of Edward VIII back in 1936 and spotted a very manager-leaving-his-job aspect to it. Let's hear from the man himself. This is Edward VIII back in
1: 1936. I now quit altogether public affairs and I lay down my burden
2: it may be some time before I return to my native land but I shall always follow the fortunes of the British race and empire with
3: profound interest (laughs) Barbarian (laughs) asks Nick is this the first instance of I've loved playing for Team X and wherever I go I will always look out for your results (laughs)
0: the royal family tweeting out once a royal always a royal (laughs)
3: Uh, really good really really. um, it it does fit very well Dave they're the
0: first results I look for
2: on a Saturday they just jump out they leap
3: out don't they Uh, yeah yeah, very much so great stuff Um, less edifying though from the last 10 days is the ongoing battle between Thibaut Courtois and the football content machine. Everyone is now aware now that um, in the aftermath of Real Madrid's victory in the Champions League final, he set his sights on uh, football magazine 442 and an online piece they did, not putting him in the world's top 10 goalkeepers. Let's hear his initial whinge about that before we delve through the various other layers.
2: Uh, there was a magazine in March that didn't put me in the best 10. Uh, goalkeeper so yeah I don't know that that I think is a lack of respect but that's not I don't say they have to put me in number one I really I don't mind there's uh, Alisson is a great goalkeeper uh, Mendy is great goalkeeper Oblak uh, Ederson there's really a lot of great goalkeepers I don't say you have to put me number one but that after a season like this they don't put you in the number like in the first 10 is strange and secondly yesterday also I saw plenty of uh, funny stuff coming out of England. So, yeah.
3: Now, Nick, I I, I can forgive top-level footballers having an ego like that. That's absolutely fine. You need it to to get to the very top. But this is the first time I've seen such a disparity between innocuous piece of content, and stature of footballer. The distance is huge here. Uh, I can't believe he's got annoyed by this. I cannot believe it.
0: I, I think it's a point a lot of other people have made as well, but it's very much like Michael Jordan in uh, The Last Dance, where he kind of, someone called him like Cole Morden one day, and he he takes that as a great sign of disrespect that fuels his fire for the next three years or something like that. So, I don't know, maybe maybe he's just kind of, I mean, this is a, a someone at Real Madrid, who has noticed maybe noticed him getting a bit slack or kind of not putting it in the hours in and training or something like that, and really wants to fire him up, and mm. they try all these things. One of which is, did you know these this this magazine in England thinks your thinks your shit. This
3: is <laughs> this is the problem with um, producing content like this, Dave. It might not have been deliberate. I I can I can easily imagine someone hastily putting together a list of top ten goalkeepers in the world and simply forgetting Thibaut Courtois, just just forgetting to put him in. And it's not, not through any judgment of his goalkeeper
2: maybe is he just forgetting to put him in. Yeah, absolutely. That could easily happen or it might be a recency bias thing. But if he's, good, if he's really pissed off about it, come on, who shouldn't be in the top 10?
3: <laughs> yes, it's a good, very good point. <laughs> <laughs> better, than him, yeah. better than him, better than him, better than him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, here's the list, Thibaut. Who are you knocking out of this?
3: Damn right. Yeah, should be follow-up yeah. question. Disgrace that it wasn't. It but wasn't explored further.
2: You mentioned Twitter in his on-pitch post-match interview after the after the final whistle, when the triumph had yet to sink in. And so it means you know, it's just like the whole content world is very much living rent-free in his head yeah. at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, Declan Rice has opened the Pandora's box on this with his uh, jibe at the Twitter admin. You're right to you're right to mention the disparity between the weight of the content and the and the stature of the player. Mm. The only time I've ever seen this before, I won't name names to spare his blushes, mm. but um there was a Player that was once in, named in a Talksport.com uh, top ten of worst players to win the Champions League, <laughs> and said player then refused to subsequently appear on the station when when, when asked. Oh, my Lovely. my mental cogs are already whirring at the idea of this.
3: It has to be someone who could viably be on Talksport at any point, and then turn them down. So let yeah. Yeah.
0: On a, on a on a similar theme, um, the there was a, a player uh, again I won't name them and you will have no chance of guessing who it is because quite an obscure player who was uh, Football 365 years and years ago wrote a piece about saying he was crap or something like that and he rang them up and said I'm not. I mean, I'm not the worst player in the world. Just this kind of this exceptionally kind of weak defense. Yes. Uh, and it, to be fair, he wasn't the worst player in the world. Multiple seasons in the top flight. Oh. Won, a, won a couple of trophies. Blimey. It wasn't the worst player in the world, but still.
3: So touchy. But that's fine. That's fine. You know, they are there to be shot at and they do, they do deserve the opportunity to, to fire back. Um, but, but this, yeah. this escalated. Here's a, here's a Daily Mail headline for you. Board abroad, Thibaut. Real Madrid keeper Courtois fires back at jibes from a YouTuber that he isn't quick off his line or good with his feet. Just hours after proposing to his model girlfriend on a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> that is a diamond just hours after. Absolutely Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the implication that it, that it, he got back on his phone Hours after proposing A great moment in his life And started battling away with YouTubers And the YouTuber in question, Dave Was of course Mark Goldbridge Who was weighing it weighing in on Courtois And uh, Courtois just kept replying to him And the whole thing was just absurd It's amazing he can't even let it go after the season's ended And he's on a yacht with his wife-to-be
2: To stand up for Mark oh Goldbridge There we go <laughs> The, the, the reply that Courtois sends to him wasn't exactly a, a firm rebuttal. Because, so, Goldbridge says, Courtois won man of the match in the UCL final and isn't quick off his line or good with his feet, right? So, Courtois responds with a little uh, shrugging sort of open palm emoji and three pictures of him just catching crosses. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. It's not what he... Show me a picture from? of you sweeping. Where do they get the pictures from?
3: Do you have a Getty login? It's the same thing with sa- their Instagram posts after matches. Like, who sends them the pictures?
0: I assume they get sent, like, sent them sent round. And I mean, this is this is. I know we all often make this joke, but this is an athletic long read in the, <laughs> in the making. I, I assume they're just kind of the press officer texts them, WhatsApps them round, or something. I don't know. Here's a few action shots. You might want to, you know, Getty get haven't got much, so we've had to go to PA images today. So you know,
3: I like the occasional one where you if you go slightly further down the leagues, so a player will post a Getty picture, but with the, um, with the little ribbon still yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, delightfully too, Bob, but it's fine. But I mean, you know, Sunday league players do it. I mean, you, you, you see Sunday league players sort of sharing the photos that a local photographers take with the watermark splashed all over it and think, well, we all do it, I guess. I'd like to end today's episode on the adjudication panel with some sensational stuff from the consistently astounding TikTok genius Ian Araujo, a.k.a. No Problem Gambler. Now, this guy, Shtick, is brilliant. He is challenged to discover which games are being played on TVs in the background of drama series. Fleeting glimpses of sports fixtures taking place innocuously in the background of Netflix dramas. The Athletic have done a long read on him. Uh, Our baseball writer Stephen J. Nesbitt interviewed him last month. Great piece it is, too. Real, real insight into this guy's um, brain and the way it's wired. But this one was delicious. This, this is his latest one. It's not... I wouldn't say it's his trickiest challenge of the lot, but it certainly develops really nicely. And what a twist there is at the end, just to seal the deal. Here we go. This is from video game Call of Duty.
1: Here we go with another sports mystery, but this one comes from a video game, more specifically the safe house mission from Call of Duty Cold War. And we get a pretty good look at the match here, the footage is a bit grainy and nothing is super obvious to me, but these kits do look familiar, I just couldn't put my finger on it, so where do I start? Well just by the look of the play it seems like it would be probably from the 1970s or 80s, and I'm gonna guess that it's European which actually got me to our team in red pretty quickly. because the team in question is Nottingham Forest, who was kind of a big deal back then, winning two European Cups and one first division title. So now we have to figure out what team they were playing and when the match happened. Well, by going through Nottingham's kit history, this match has to be from between 1977 and 1984. Then it was really just trying to match a team to the one from the video game, which is one that wears a kit with white shirts and navy blue shorts. So my first thought was Tottenham, but nope, the numbers were just kind of off. (laughs) Maybe it was West Brom. Definitely not. But then I landed on the Bolton Wanderers. They have the same shirts, the same shorts, and the same numbers. Bingo. And during those it's years, good. they only played Nottingham six times four times in the first division, and twice in the FA Cup. And then by looking at this side-by-side, side, I was able to determine that the match was definitely played in Bolton at Burnden Park. So that narrows things down to three games. And from that, I was able to pinpoint our match to this third-round FA Cup matchup between the two from January 6th, this 1981. is where it gets Now, I couldn't find any footage of the match online, but I did find a description of the lone goal in a newspaper article, and it said this. Coming in the 22nd minute of extra time... Trevor Francis controlled a pass from Peter Ward, drew goalkeeper Dennis Peacock, and calmly slotted the ball home, which sounds a lot like what we're seeing in this play right here. But just to make sure, I contacted Peter Ward, who assisted on that goal, and asked him (laughs) if he thought it was him in the clip from Call of Duty, and this is what he said.
2: It looks like me and it runs like me, but I can't remember the game at
1: all. So that made me even more confident that I have the right match, but that's as close as I could get. But if Nottingham Forest, the Bolton Wanderers or the FA are watching, release the tapes.
3: Heroic. Absolutely brilliant. It, it, it's the it's process by which the, the findings are, are unveiled, Dave, that really is the glorious part of this.
2: Tremendous. If it looks like Peter Ward, if it moves like Peter Ward, it probably is. Peter Ward, great, great input from Peter Ward at the end there, Nick. Too
0: superb, yeah, and uh, uh, so good that I'll even forgive the guy from referring to the Bolton Wanderers.
3: <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> I like West and Brock. Nottingham.
0: Oh
2: yeah, yeah. well, that was yeah, yeah, that's, wasn't it? that's understandable. Yeah, fascinating stuff um, from this this TikTok account. Genuinely, like amazing stuff. Done it far better than we attempted to do it yeah. <laughs> when we when we when we had a go last year, whenever it was. But. I would like a, a further le- level of investigation as to not just which games are in this. Why on earth is that the one? I know. <laughs> this is the question I have at the end of every single one of
3: these videos. Why would they choose this game? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely bizarre. I mean, I th- when it comes to kind of video games, you have to assume it's some sort of allegiance with the guy who coded it or something and like
2: it's, that. It's a, and it was Call of Duty Cold War. Right. So I suppose they were trying to get a game from... Oh. Maybe. From from the period, yeah. But still, of all the games, you could have picked a, a, an FA Cup game at Burnden Park between Bolton and Forest. Mm. It's incredible. But it
0: turned it turned out to be like the developer of one of these games is a Bolton fan or a Forest fan yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's, just the, it's, a, it's an Easter egg. He's yes, just uh, exactly. slipped in there.
3: Yeah, honestly, it's it's the purest. Most impressive piece of internet content right now, apart from this podcast. Um, there we are. That wraps up the first adjudication panel of the closed season. Uh, a real casual remit, Dave. We're spreading our wings just to, uh, just to get a grasp on the footballing proceedings at the moment. We'll, we'll look everywhere, won't we? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah real international flavour. Real cross-sport flavour. Nick, thanks for joining us. No problem. Have fun in the Premier League. Not you, because oh. it wasn't you, was it? So enjoy oh, watching the- your team in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I think I still there's still a participation element there too. I think has it sunk in yet? It ha- no, I can confirm it hasn't sunk <laughs> in yet. I've I've been speculating about when it will sink in <laughs> various various signposts as to when when the sinking in will happen. F- Fixture release date, right? Fixture release date is one of yeah. them. But yeah. next next time I'm on this podcast, I'll ask me again. I'm, it may have sunk in by then. Mate,
3: the tables haven't even like updated yet. Forrester's still in the championship according to the BBC website. So- I've had mul-
0: m- multiple people send me the, that graphic of all the, lo- the, the club logos mm-hmm. in the, you know, this looks good, doesn't it? Forest is kind of nuzzled in there next to Tottenham or whatever it is. Right. Yeah.
3: Good, good. All right, we'll see everyone next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
0: No disrespect to Egg. The Athletic.